0: Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com
1: to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H E L P.
0: that? That's the second time it's gone
2: off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, home, those guys.
0: That's... Yeah.
1: <laughs> they have asked for that, really. Well,
2: yeah, you can laugh. I'm going walk up.
0: I'm a little bit of an idealist. But having said that, I want to be like me.
1: Well, you don't know what you're talking about. What did you want know? to I'd like it it. to stay alive for six days. I'd say it to you, i i not saying it well, to you now. i am
2: down to and we'll see them
1: What you're doing down here, you are shawnee
0: man? <laughs> You're very welcome to the Irish Times, second captain's football podcast. I'm going to share a personal story to start things off, Ken, if that's okay. Mm-hmm, go on. It concerns the first day in a new job, and in this case, the only day in this particular job as a plucky young backpacker in Western Australia some years ago. I wasn't afraid to have a go at anything, you know how it is. Mm. Just earn a few dollars to keep the adventure going.
2: Have a go, hero. <laughs> Which is how, that's sure. what I always
0: talked of myself as, yes. Which is how I found myself working on a vineyard. Tasked with tying the vines carefully around their supporting fences. Right. If you can picture that, uh, people just see vineyards and assume, oh, well, I mean they, they just grow around those fences. Like Ivy. Yeah, yeah, but there's a little bit of work involved in that. I'd see ideally, I wanted a laboring type job that didn't really involve much labor. So I thought this might be just the ticket. Push the vine around the fence, tie it up with a sort of metallic version of cable how you, ties.
2: How did you think that job wouldn't involve much labor? By the way,
0: well, no, not much backbreaking labor. Right, believe me, again, I did one or two uh, more strenuous, phys- more physically strenuous jobs than that. But this, see, this seemed like it could it could be all right. Anyway, I thought I'd just push the vine around a little bit, you know, uh, tie it up, clock out at the end of the day, do it for a few weeks. Fine. Didn't work out that way, unfortunately, again. What the role actually required was a high degree of dexterity, yeah. which I didn't really possess, and a ridiculously high tempo to keep up with all the other vastly more experienced co-workers who yeah. grew up, essentially, in the vineyard. My morning involved a lot of getting shouted at by the irate farmer, falling further and further behind these other people as I plowed up, uh, plowed on ahead on each row of vines and slowly losing my nerve to the point that I just wanted to pack it in. I mean, I'm talking after an hour. I right. was thinking this, this, I'm just not cut out for life in a vineyard. So what happened? Well, finally, I was put out of my misery at lunchtime when the boss told me, after shouting at me all morning, then giving up on me, just walking ahead, he eventually says, look, just don't bother coming back after lunch. Oh, really? Yeah, so there so was... not even make it to, to the second half of the day's labour? No, there followed a quarrel over whether or not I should be paid the... the full day. $30. No, even half the day. What? There a d- dispute over that, yeah. I was sent off with, with no money. You were sent away with no money? Well, yeah. What, what was I going to do? I mean, I, I, I did get it eventually, but at that point, I had no money. I got it via the hostel
2: I was staying in. You worked as a slave, <laughs> albeit, albeit a particularly ineffectual work <laughs> for some Australian uh, wine guy. That's outrageous, Owen. Mm. You should have you should have got got the full days pay for that.
0: Well, I think I got a half a day's pay in the end after a bit of quarreling via the owner of my hostel. Who you know, it was one of these hostels that you stay at and they farm you out to the places where you work. So the owner I think was keen not to create a uh, precedent whereby his pe- people saying his hostel weren't getting paid by the people they were sent out to.
2: And did this guy expect you just to be able to do that right from yeah. the off?
0: I think he was told, I think there could have been an issue there. This where, guy's a skill. Label. Yes, I think my hostel owner might have felt a bit guilty because it was, yeah, this guy's just, he's incredible. You've never seen Vines wrapped around fences as That's quickly as this guy can do. It. So anyway, the reason I bring this up is I know how Asmir Begovic must be feeling today. Oh. Chelsea boss, Jose Muno, defends tired goalkeeper Asmir Begovic <laughs> after he conceded four goals on debut in a 4-2 friendly defeat by New York Red Bulls. The Bosnian 28 came on as a halftime substitute. A halftime substitute yeah. in New York against a side made up of developmental players because the. American season's in the in the thick of it at the moment so all the top guys are playing proper matches so all these 15 year olds rifle goals past poor old Begovic Mourinho said if he won 10-0 I would not be happy because it would mean it was too easy Begovic was not sharp a consequence of being tired from training in the next game he will start
2: against PS. <laughs> poor old Begovic yeah, yeah. Um, yeah he, uh, they were 1-0 up at the time and uh, ended up losing 4-2 at the time when he came on that is half time and losing 4-2 so Not the best debut from Begovic.
0: My advice, Begovic, is quit. Just quit. (laughs) Go somewhere else. Things will work out well for you. Time for Ken Hardy's report on sport.
2: Yeah. um, The lesson is, I suppose, never try. Try and fail. Never try. I mean, Begovic, I think, he's a good goalkeeper. I mean, it's interesting that he's gone there to to be a substitute. I'm a little bit surprised by that. Um, Although I don't know. I mean, the fact that more clubs weren't... weren't interested in Begovic when there's clearly a pressing need for goalkeeper. You would think, for instance, at Manchester United and at Liverpool, Manchester United pending the 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 departure of their current goalkeeper, um, that uh, I guess the prevailing view in Begovic is that, well, is he all that good of a footballer? Is Begovic is does Begovic? I mean, all all the goalkeepers now are supposed to be like you know Ronald Koeman in his prime at Barcelona. You know, they're supposed to be able to dictate the play from, you know, deep-lying midfield position. That's kind of what's now expected in the role. And Begovic is one of those goalkeepers who just catches the ball with his huge hands. And um, Jose Mourinho is okay with that kind of goalkeeper.
0: I was going to ask, Hmm. how good a footballer is Petr Cech?
2: Yeah, well, Jose Mourinho doesn't care because his goalkeeper just stays in the box. He's not asking his goalkeeper to, you know, play on the halfway line, like, uh, you know, a lot of teams do these days. He's he's all right with his goalkeeper standing in the six yard box, and fact, catching he's, the ball when it comes in.
0: In fact, there's very little room between, yeah. for the goalkeeper to move anyway, because you've got John Terry and Kale and these kind of guys. John Terry's standing at the edge of the, the, the box,
2: <laughs> so there's no need for the goalkeeper to play football. He just has to be able to be a goalkeeper. So he's happy enough, I suppose, with the old fashioned, uh, with the old fashioned Begovic, who is good at all the at all of the uh, you know old fashioned types or old fashioned aspects of goalkeeping. Um, but uh but maybe maybe not uh, not so much the case for some of the other teams. Anyway, what's going on today? on Rafael Benitez settling into Real Madrid immediately. Um video posted of their training session showing Cristiano Ronaldo appearing to disrespect him. Really? Oh yeah. Cristiano Ronaldo uh, scores a goal. He uh, he gives uh a celebratory uh you know you know remember when he won the ballon d'Or and the thing that he said into the microphone the see oh something yeah like that. does that that's obviously his goal uh yup but then the goal is disallowed much to Cristiano Ronaldo's, uh a paul a paul you know he's, he's he's like what and and he uh he utters a swear word in portuguese that Mm-hmm. And then he says, "You only give decisions against the. You're only giving fouls against the Portuguese."
0: So Rafa's reffing this.
2: Yeah, I guess Rafa. Rafa's wearing his he's wearing his shorts and kind of trudging around. and Ronaldo is is, uh, is you know uh, making these uh, uh, gestures of contempt and saying, "You only give decisions against the Portuguese." I don't know if he refers to himself as the Portuguese. I think there's, there must have been a couple of others in, involved in the session, and Rafa's kind of like, "Oh God," you know. He's like this all the time. He, Rafa then gave the, the usual, I, I want all my players to be like that. You know, that's exactly, that's exactly how a player should be, just cursing at his manager and, <laughs> and uh, you know, screaming abuse at him. That's exactly the kind of attitude I want to see from my players. Um, he also talked about uh, Sergio Ramos and said, Sergio Ramos, obviously uh, you know, the captain of Real Madrid, Sergio will be staying with us. He is our player. I would like to see him at the beginning of the season. He's a key player for us. Are you absolutely certain... He will stay here, someone asked Rafa. For me, 100%. So, for me, uh, is the only um, qualifier there. I mean, if he's at 100%, then okay. But for me, he really wants Sergio Ramos. But uh, that view may not necessarily be shared by the hierarchy, seems to be what uh, Rafa is saying there. Um, I don't think that story is going to be over yet. Although, maybe he's more likely to stay at Real Madrid than not. But um, I think that could be uh, going. Because Manchester United, as we now know, are buying a lot of big players or targeting a lot of big players.
0: Yeah, we're going to talk to John Bruno a little bit later on about their dominance of the transfer market this summer.
2: Arsene Wenger is never going to let this type of thing pass unremarked. It's the way that Ed Woodward is going around. Ed, zero gravity, Woodward. Ed Woodward is like giving lectures on on how to play the transfer market like the Matthew McConaughey character in The Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like He's just like such a totally, I've been there, done it, ruled the transfer market. Here's how you can do it too. And Wenger is obviously kind of looking at this, maybe feeling uh, a little bit of irritation. Um, And of course, Arsenal are doing things a different way. He says, We want to continue to combine stronger financial resources with faith in our philosophy and policy. That means we want to continue to give chances to young players and build the players from inside our club with our culture. Afterwards, if we can buy exceptional players, we can compete today. But that will not be the basis of our policy. Most of the clubs who have been successful are clubs who have done that well. You can take Barcelona or Manchester United, who had a generation and built their success on players who came from within. These are our values, and it's our DNA, and it's important we keep that. With United's success, they've created huge financial resources, and today there is no patience for them to continue to do what they did. And they have the financial resources to go with a different policy as well. They do not have available the players like Skulls, Giggs, and David Beckham inside the club. Because youth talent is spread more through twenty clubs than it was twenty years ago, so you know it's it's pretty full on. Actually, essentially saying Manchester United are abandoning their principles. Good luck to them. Mm -hmm. We won't do that. We won't be doing that in Arsenal. But how many young players?
0: Arsenal may be trying to have uh, to continue with the philosophy of promoting young players from within, but how many top guys would actually get through from the youth ranks these days? Jack Wilshere. That's true.
2: Uh, now, I mean, there's, there's another few, but usually players who they've signed for quite a lot of money at, as Yeah, so, so it's
0: like, exactly. So okay, we're not going to spend 30 million on a player when they're 25. Although they we will, will if pay, it's Alexis
2: Sanchez. Yeah, I mean, and we, will pay, for we, we, will,
0: we will pay quite a hefty amount for 16-year-olds.
2: Uh, Oxford Chamberlain at 17 or whatever.
0: It doesn't exactly count as developing, fostering your own talent.
2: Mm, um, well, he, he'd probably have an argument with that, but... You know, I suppose they do at least have wheelchair. I mean, what's the story of Manchester United at the moment? How are they doing homegrown players-wise? Oh. oh, God. McNair. Tyler Blackett. Paddy McNair, Tyler Blackett. Um, you know, they're not, not the the top-ranked Manchester United players at the moment. Johnny Evans. Mm-hmm. Um, Wilson. Uh, it's Kira Murphy's voice from the distance there. Little James Wilson. Um, I've it, got a few. Yeah, although again, you know, are are these first team players? Well, some of the defenders, yeah, I guess. Um, but I, but when you look around, though, he he also mentions Barcelona. There, Aston Frank mentions Barcelona, uh, and Barcelona have clearly gone a completely different path now as well. Yeah. Forget all that La Mas, uh, Masilla stuff. That's that's all news now. Xavi's obviously left the club. Iniesta's still there. Messi's still there. But you know. Um, the team is now built around these uh, high-class, uh, you know, imported players. Uh, Luis Suarez, Neymar, uh, Rakitic. These are the guys that, you know, I mean, there's still a couple, you know, Jared Pique and so on is a, is a, um, is a you know, Barcelona youth player via a detour to Manchester United. But, you know, this is a, this has been a big argument at Barcelona, whether they're kind of losing their way a little bit. Are we, have we lost our way? Are we still the same club as we were? Um, you know, the playing style is is different now. Uh, we're not we're not doing that kind of uh, ultra. The, the the playing style, which only we had, which everybody's now trying to copy. Me Bar- mean, Bayern Meeting now hired the f- manager of that team, are trying to do it themselves. But Barcelona don't do it themselves anymore. They just win the ball back, you know, really high up the field, pass, 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 pass. They don't really play like that anymore. They're like, let's try and get the ball to one of our three amazing strikers. And, you know, Actually, it's pretty simple, you know. <laughs> the whole thing just looks really simple when you've got Suarez, Messi, and Neymar. You know, we don't really need to think so much about all the other aspects of the game. Um, we're wearing Qatar in our shirts, sure. It used to be used to be anything there, apart from a very subtle Nike swoosh. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, obviously, UNICEF. And now it's Qatar, or Qatar Airways, or whatever. The stadium is festooned with Qatar uh, logos. And... Uh, you know, we, maybe we've, we've we've given something away. Well, Barcelona had a chance to, to the Barcelona members had a chance to say what they thought of all this in their election last weekend, and uh, massively endorsed everything that had been going on, really? inflicting a crushing defeat on Juan Laporta, uh, the man who who was in charge from two thousand three to, to twenty ten, who was you know had hired Frank Reichardt and Pep Guardiola, who'd overseen this transition from an era of crisis to an era of being the greatest club uh, in Europe. Uh, sent packing at the polls by the uh, Barcelona members who want more Qatar. More! Is there any way we can jack up the sponsorship deal with Qatar so we can, you know, sign more Luis Suarez's? Because this guy is seriously good. Uh, meanwhile, Pedro uh, Pedro is more or less being shown the door by Barcelona. Not shown the door exactly, but they're kind of they kind of said look, the door is here. You know, previously, Pedro's uh, release clause in his contract was, you know, 150 million or something insane. Uh, you know, one of these ridiculous release clauses. It is easier for uh, a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for Pedro's release clause to be met by, uh, you know, another club. Sure. Pedro was asking, where's the door originally? And they said, there's no door. There's a and tiny, the d- tiny door. Can you open it? It's like a. You have to can you grasp the doorknob between your little fingertips and pull open the door it's like an advent calendar you won't, sized you, door. Won't, you won't
0: fit through it anyway Pedro to be no. honest with you but now they're saying well okay
2: it's like a big it's like a, a triumphal arch um, outside a, a railway station or something it's huge the wind is whistling through it and Pedro was there you know huddled uh, at the foot of this arch unsure whether to pass through or whether to stay where he is 22 million is the relief cost now which is just like a normal I mean it's less than Animal and Alana you know what I mean I mean, how many Champions Leagues has Pedro won at this stage? Just uh, three, is it? And, um, yeah. And it's... uh, How good is Pedro, though? He's funny. He always... With
0: Spain and with Barcelona, he always kind of... You know, he's not in yes, he's not jabby, he's not messy, he's not that level of uh, of intricate skill. If you, obviously, they're all different players I'm talking about, even amongst themselves. Mm. He's about pace, he's a direct guy, he offers something a little bit different. He's, he just doesn't, uh, has never seemed to fully fit in with what they're doing. Although maybe the fact that he does bring something different is what has uh, allowed him to forge a pretty pretty good career. With them. I think it's hard for him to Is he that much better good. than these sort of fast, you know, these fa- fast, tricky types who play? You mentioned Adam Lallana. Would mm. Adam Lallana not be pretty much He's as good as. He's better than Adam
2: Lallana, is he? Yeah, he can run. Yeah. Adam Lallana is is a kind of a yeah a slow. Yeah, I, I, Adam Lallana is a skillful player. He kind of reminds right, just, me of, yeah, yeah. of those guys you know in in the later plane in Amsterdam. You know those skillful guys <laughs> who, um, who who do tricks. Keep you uppies all day. It's, you know, Lallana would 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 rock it in that environment, in my opinion. Um, Pedro. Pedro will kick the ball across the road
0: and just sprint after it really fast. Yeah, I, you know, and then may, buried maybe, into a makeshift goal.
2: Lallana may be a little more skillful than Pedro in terms of you know little uh, sways on the ball and little silky changes of direction and stuff. But Pedro will score and create more goals for you, I think, in, in football. I mean, even the Champions League final, he only came on for a few minutes and he set up the goal for uh, Neymar. I'm pretty sure it was Pedro. Um, it doesn't matter.
0: You've already killed me on this Pedro argument. He's an intelligent. I'm he,
2: he's not. He's not necessarily an outstandingly skillful player, but he is a guy who knows how to make the right decision a lot of the time, and he's a good finisher. Um, and Barcelona are kind of saying, you know, Pedro, opportunities will be limited for you now. Uh, Bus gets meanwhile begging Pedro to say, oh, he's my friend. We grew up together. You know, please, Pedro, stay. I know it's hard, but you know, please stay here at Barcelona. So, th- so his 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 value to the club isn't really anymore. He's got more of a symbolic value to 33% of the club, the 33% of supporters who voted for Juan Laporta than he does, you know, whereas the 55% who voted for Bartomeu, the current president, to continue, are like, oh, Pedro, I mean, is he, is he as good as Suarez? No? Well, see you later. You know, so this this kind of um, the family values of these European super clubs are r- really coming under threat. The more money a club has, the Less they care about this kind of stuff. Do you want a quick word on Benteke? Muller, for instance, you you just uh Muller Muller's another example of it. But you know, the fact that Bayern Munich, or at least some people at Barn Munich, are at okay. least entertaining the possibility of this happening. Carl Heinz is not one of those people he's saying we would be insane. We would have lost our minds if we sell this player. But who's he talking to? You know, who is when he says that, who is he actually talking to? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean it seems as though maybe Pep Guardiola didn't have the best relationship with Muller you remember the Champions League semi finals a bit of an exchange. He took Muller off. There was a bit of a... In the first leg of the semi-final, I remember, against Barcelona, and they they had a bit of an argument. Didn't look great. You wonder if maybe he sees Muller as necessarily the kind of player he wants. I mean, I think Muller is the kind of player he should want, but you know. Um, Bente, speaking of the kind of player uh, you want, Benteke, a very different type of player from the sort of Liverpool have signed in the past. That is uh, a done deal now. Benteke has... It has been confirmed after a medical that seemed to take a long time. I mean, it was supposed to start on Monday, and it's only today that just the deal has been confirmed. Um, so he has, uh, yeah, he's joined. Obviously, a very different type of player now. He, I suppose, the effort begins to prove wrong his his old manager, uh, Tim Sherwood. I mean, there did, there did did seem to be a lot of Liverpool supporters, especially looking at this, and going, "Well, why are we signing this guy?" As though Benteke was useless. Mm. You know, as though he was a, kind of a lump. Um, I'm not sure about that. I mean, I think Benteke is a pretty pretty useful player. Um, the question is really, ultimately, is he an improvement on Ricky Lambert or Daniel Sturridge, who doesn't play? And I think in both cases, the uh, the answer is probably yes.
0: That's in the Kennedy's Report on Sport.
2: FIFA made a movie recently. Uh, did they? John Delaney could run anything. They did, they did, actually. About themselves? <laughs> yeah, about themselves. Oh, that's ego, isn't it? He could run FIFA. Certainly better than Zach Blatter. Yeah, that is, that's incredibly eager, but the real movie's on its way. Yeah, I'm off to see the Queen tomorrow too, don't forget that. No, no, no that. In 2009, I called him an embarrassment to FIFA, and an embarrassment to himself, and I, and I said it to him across the table, just like I'm talking to you, we're going to two excuses. He said, no one speaks to me like that.
0: And you said? And I said, what do I do. And
2: that was it, we're going to two And I just asked him to move on. It was an extraordinary moment, she, she was here to tell you, just stared at her for 7 seconds, and I said move on now please, and then he moved When I went in and told him how I felt about him, uh-huh. there was some expletive views, we came to an, an agreement, it's a very good agreement, yeah, for you. right. and you've used you the figure there, well done to you. Yeah.
0: All right, ESPN's John Brune joins us to talk about Manchester United's dominance of the transfer market. John, we mentioned the possibility of signing Thomas Muller, whether or not that happens for €100 million. Euro. Well, if it did happen, would that officially make Ed Woodward the king of the European transfer market?
1: Well, it would make him the king of the spend- big spenders, wouldn't it? Um, it's, uh, it? When we talk about that deal, I, I can't see it happening, really. Um, the signs from the German end of things is that Bayern really don't want to let another of their... Totem's leave, I suppose their version of sort of Ryan Giggs and Paul Scholes, and they've already left, let one of them go in, Schweinsteiger, to to Manchester. Um I, I can see why Manchester United would want Weller, who wouldn't, he's a fantastic player, uh, a player who plays particularly well on big occasions, and his flexibility as a as a footballer would fit some of Van Haal's, I suppose, We've got to use the word philosophy, haven't we? Um, and also he and Van Hal have worked together. But that looks a very difficult deal to do. I think the, th- the thing that strikes me about Manchester United's transfer dealing this summer, and uh, Ed Woodward, I suppose, is the person that's driving that, is the amount of established names that they're going for. Um, Sergio Ramos, um, Muller himself, Schweinsteiger's already signed, Um and then you look at some of the other players that they continue to be linked with. I mean, Gareth Bale is one that I suspect probably won't go away till the end of the transfer window. Um, it's United uh, have gone Galactico, I think.
0: Gone Galactico. Yeah, they really haven't. That's actually the, probably the key, even around the Müller thing, which probably won't happen. The fact that, of course, they'd like to have it. This guy's going to, injury permitting, this guy's going to, I would think, become the highest goal scorer ever in World Cups, he, he certainly has a shot of that. He's just an absolutely extraordinary player for a number of different reasons. And he's still so young that it's a slightly different scenario even than Schweinsteiger, who it wouldn't be the... Uh, Manchester United wouldn't have been the envy of all of Europe for signing Bastian Schweinsteiger. But the fact that they're going for somebody like Müller, apparently, and that nobody is surprised about that, I think, is quite intriguing. That uh, Exactly as you say, they're going for some of the, the cream of European football, which hadn't been the case for a while.
1: No, I mean, Alex Ferguson, when he was in charge, I'm not sure I'm not sure he shied away from buying big players like that. I mean, they were in for a few of them over the years, but they didn't come off. I think maybe the Juan uh, Sebastian Verón experience maybe um, made sure that United would look for players of promise that Ferguson could mould. Um, David Moyes never really got an opportunity in the transfer market, you have to say. Um I mean, I think Arsene Wenger's been talking about this, hasn't he? And I think he's right in the fact that he's saying that Manchester United are having to spend big to meet their ambitions because what they had before, which was the building of a team through uh, the moulding together of young prospects and players with plenty to prove, with promise, players invariably bought under the age of 24, that's all changed. Um, and that's because that Manchester United's financial might these days means that they have to meet certain targets, and those are being in the Champions League, those are also winning titles. Um, Manchester United has changed an awful lot in the two years since Ferguson left, um, and certainly their transfer dealings are very, very different to those... Well, we've got to go about three years. Maybe Van Persie, actually, who is an established player signed, was maybe the first player of the way things are going to go for United from now on.
2: Yeah, I mean, you talk about the financial position there, and and I saw a couple of pieces uh, just over the last couple of days which uh, pointed out how much better uh, Man United's financial position was than, for instance, Real Madrid. And I thought, wow, that's <laughs> this is uh, this is new. This sort of um, you know, kind of it was obviously kind of a well sourced. Let's say briefed uh, article which pointed out a bunch of the reasons why their financial position was now. Uh, better than the club everybody assumes is the uh, richest. Um, when you, you, I mean, you mentioned there also that David Moyes didn't really get a chance in the transfer market. Do you think Ed Woodward is actually driving this policy at the moment, or is it uh, Or you know, what does Louis van Hal actually have to do with this? And I know that he worked with Bastian Schweinsteiger before. Maybe he was a player he, you know, was keen to get in. But to what extent does Van Hal have influence over the over the players that come in, or is this should should all the credit
1: go to Ed Woodward? I think the suggestion is that Van Gaal uh, brings up a list of players uh, that he would like in his team. Um, And I would say that his control of that has probably increased a little since last summer when uh, Ander Herrera and Luke Shaw arrived. uh, Pretty much sight unseen for for Van Gaal, it is said. Um, And both suffered fairly difficult seasons until Herrera came through towards the end of uh, their campaign. I think... um, The problem, the deal is that uh, Ed Woodward, who was so timid during that David Moyes summer, now is talking big, prepared to spend big. Um, It's interesting that um, they're involved in pretty much a tug of war with Real Madrid. And this to me looks at a case of, you know, United um, almost showing trying to show that they're not afraid of Real Madrid because it's pretty much accepted, is isn't it? That if Real Madrid want your player, they will sign your player, and to get to get yourself involved in dealings with them is putting your hand in the fire a little bit. Um, so the David de Gea, Sergio Ramos conundrum that we wait to find the solution of, which at the moment looks more likely that those players will stay at their clubs for next season. Um, it shows that United are prepared to take on the big boys of the financial market and the big boys of the fan, of, of the market. Um, with Barcelona on their temporary hiatus, it is Real Madrid? So you
2: think that uh, if, if if you had to bet one way now, you'd say that at the end of the transfer window, David Gea will still be a Manchester
1: United player? I couldn't. If, if I had to walk down to my, to my local uh, turf accountants, I probably wouldn't put the money on it, no. But um, the, the, deal, the, the deal is that there is such an impasse at the moment and with time running out, uh, that it certainly looks more likely that he will stay than he did, say, after the end of the football season, last season, when uh, he said actually that he... Uh, He'd actually given back his cars and uh, was having to get a lift in the training from his Spanish teammates because he didn't have a car. Um, things have changed a little in that regard. It's I, I could still see him going to Real Madrid. Of course I could. I mean, brinkmanship is the big part of the transfer window once we move into August. Um, but again, that could even be tied in with another tilt at Gareth Bale, which is something which is still heavily rumoured. Um, and also the Ramos situation as well. But Ramos, if we go to Ramos, um, Rafa Benitez has said this morning, hadn't he, that he thinks he will stay, Um, and he's been made captain. Uh, I can't see that deal coming off, to be quite honest with you.
2: Mm. I mean, there is a way to get a transfer that you really want to make if you're, you know, the player. And it was
1: There are lots of ways. Robbie Savage
0: once outlined the fourteen ways of force <laughs> to force a transfer from your club.
2: Fourteen unprofessional and possibly <laughs> illegal ways uh, to break a contract. But one of them was was um uh, shown off by Raheem Sterling over the uh, over the past couple of months um, he managed to force his way to Manchester City. I mean, Liverpool's position had been for a while, no, you know, we're not going to sell. him. mean, he had two years after his contract with De Gea only had, had one. but it, it kind of became clear, ah, this just isn't really going to work. I mean, De Gea evidently has no interest in, in doing things that way.
1: No, I mean the, the, the thing is that David De Gea has said absolutely nothing publicly on the whole the whole thing and what we, what we know about his intentions and what we know about what he expected are just those that come through from sources at the club and stuff like that and uh, the fact is I don't think that David De Gea uh, dislikes being at Manchester United, I think it's probably a club that should he move on he would hold a great deal of affection for and remember it fondly, I just think that um, Real Madrid is probably where he would want to be, but you know, not everybody has an agent like A.D. Ward. And uh, of course, um, uh, De Gea's agent is George Mendez, who has other relationships with Manchester United, and perhaps endangering that relationship. You know, might affect his own revenue streams. Remember, Manchester United are the biggest deal in the transfer market. He's the biggest agent. That's a force he probably wants to deal with.
2: What um, actually? You mentioned A.D. Ward. What's your what's your opinion on whether he's done a good job for Sterling or not? Because he's a guy who gets a lot of criticism. Uh, A.D. Ward. Uh, people think it, you know he called Jamie Carragher a knob. That probably wasn't his finest uh, hour. But at the end of the day, he's got uh, his clients to Manchester City on a higher wage than the highest possible wage that Liverpool ever offered him. I mean, 200,000 a week is apparently what Sterling is getting uh, playing for, to play for Manchester City. He's going to play in the Champions League. He's with a team that has a realistic chance of winning the league title. He's playing with better players uh, than he would have been at Liverpool. It seems to me that Eddie Ward um, has done a pretty good job for Raheem Sterling.
1: Yes, from a from a pragmatic point of view, absolutely. I mean, you know, the, the ends justified the means, and the means which both of them are going to get hold of in terms of cash are absolutely huge. It's a you know, it's a total payday for the both of them. Um, but it, I
2: mean, what I, what I'm asking is, the, is the, has the criticism of this guy been over the top? He represents Raheem Sterling. He doesn't. He's not working for Liverpool. I know that a lot of, a lot of people have, have criticised and said, oh, this is terrible and, you, you know, it's all about money. But to a large extent, the game of professional football is about money. Yeah. And, and an agent's job is, is to maximise the earnings. But he hasn't just maximised the earnings. He's also maximised the um, trophy-winning potential, which is the thing And he's also maximised the about.
0: hatred that is felt towards Sterling by his former club, which isn't ideal. I know a lot of it's about money, but I'm sure most young men, young people... Uh, would like to go through their life without being despised by a massive group of people, as he clearly is by Liverpool fans. But is
2: But what, is it possible, would it have been possible to do that any other way? Would it have been possible to get Sterling out of Liverpool, a club which is doesn't really appear to be going anywhere at the moment, which clearly is not going to win the league title, is not playing in the Champions League. Were, were those supporters not going to hate Sterling for leaving with the club in a bad position, no matter what? I mean... What I'm saying, John, essentially, I'm putting this question to you, is, I mean, if Sterling was going to leave Liverpool for another club in England, those supporters were going to hate him anyway.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, you you know, your logic is sound, Ken. I I do agree with you on this. I mean, I just think there are certain things, the way things are managed. um, A.D. Ward, again, you know, we talk about the way that agents uh, deal with clubs. You would imagine that Liverpool would never again deal with an A.D. Ward client, which, you know, Raheem Sterling's career is a finite length. Um, and I mean, also, he represented, and I believe this has uh, come apart now, that he represented Saido Berahino, who today is linked with going to Spurs. And that mo- that moves, uh, th- that deal, uh, their relationship is over. Um, so it was a bit of a, maybe, you know, Sterling is his client. Maybe it was a bit of a one-shot deal for Ward and he pushed it through. Um, I think the BBC interview um, that he did annoyed Liverpool. He, he used you know, the, the dark arts, let's put it that way, to get to get the deal done. Um, and I'm sure Aidy Ward and uh, Raheem Sterling are clinking glasses at the success they've had. Um, the problem is, uh, I mean, I saw an interview with Raheem Sterling at the weekend where he said, you know, he was sorry, he was disappointed with the way it ended with... Uh, with the fans, but and but he still enjoyed like the club and the manager. And you know, players can't have it both ways. He is <laughs> he's going to be hated by Liverpool fans um, because fans of clubs don't like to see them go to rivals and essentially holding their own club to ransom.
2: Yeah, I mean, what did you think then of the of, of Balotelli's intervention, where he essentially Balotelli um, tweeted when Sterling scored. Sterling scored a after a couple of minutes of his debut in his friendly first city, uh, Balotelli said, oh, well done, Aunt Raheem Sterling 31. You know, that's the best answer. Keep it up, resulting in, you know, a lot of abuse uh, on Twitter. To which Balotelli seemed perplexed by this. I don't know if this was Balotelli uh, playing playing dumb a little bit, but he he then came back and said, oh, you know, um, I, I hope Sterling plays well because you know, he's, a good, he's a good lad you know, he's talented he deserves it uh, you should support him like you always supported him and uh, I mean what I, don't, what I sometimes struggle to understand is why the vitriol in particular towards Sterling I look at his situation and I can see quite clearly why he wants to leave why he wants to join Manchester City it's entirely logical from his point of view if I was a Liverpool supporter I'd probably be looking at the club and wondering why did you not offer this guy a contract in May of 2014, when you just missed out on the title, the club seems to be going places. um, You know, I imagine he would have signed then. It seems to me as though Liverpool are the ones who made a mess of this situation. I mean, is uh, is this naive to think that fans should be capable of maybe a little bit of a more reflective approach to it? You know, a guy who was a hero a couple of weeks ago is now just an absolute hate figure, and this is probably going to follow him for the rest of his career. It seems stupid to me, and to Mario Balotelli too.
1: Well, I'm not sure you can ask for a reasonable opinion from many fans on Twitter. That seems to be beyond uh, quite a few of them. Um, I think the problem is is that, I suppose, as football grows as a business, um, the uh, the gap between player and fans grows larger. Now, Mario Bellatelli is a guy that's played for four or five clubs, um, and uh, players don't see things the same way that fans do. They don't, you know, the loyalties that they have. um, I mean, looking at the amount of one club men there are in football. I mean, you know, John Terry is almost the last of a dying breed in English football. Um, Football's a business. These are players that, you know, sell their wares around from the essentially companies that pay them best. um, In the same way that people do in the normal job market. Um, but fans expect this loyalty, fans expect um, players to be ruled by their heart. Um, it's it's just one of those things. I think Balotelli, let's face it, doesn't really care what Liverpool fans think because I would expect that he doesn't think he'll be playing football for them next season. Um, and Sterling himself uh, made the decision that he would um, move on from a club where It said he didn't feel entirely comfortable. Um, His relationship with the manager was not always the best, it seemed. Uh, And he always also felt that the fans did not um, appreciate him as much as they could do. And also, as you you correctly state, I agree with you. I think Liverpool should have signed him up to that deal in uh, May of 2014. Uh, And, you know, pointed him to be a one-club man like Steven Gerrard. Point him towards that future. But as it is, they... Uh, gave him a deal worth thirty five thousand pounds a week. Uh, and he probably looked around at some of the new players that came into the club who were vastly inferior in terms of talent and so on, and thought, hang on, they've not treated me right here. And uh, then again, you know, other opportunities came up and his agent found him a better club to go to.
0: Alright, John brown we'll leave it there. Thanks, a Million. Cheers.
1: I knew the first Calls me a rabbi, didn't know
2: them. He said to me, what can you do, that
1: the boss hadn't done
2: You, were the boss
0: And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better
1: But there's no way to win it better Why there's not? Only... No, 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 no But that's the only hope I've we, got we don't, we, don't, we, don't, we don't lost for much and then... But that, well, I yeah. can only lose three You can understand that, can't you? Yes Good luck
0: Now that might that might be you know aiming for utopia, and it might be might mean being a little bit stupid. But that is the way I am. I'm a little bit stupid regarding this type of thing. I'm a little bit of an idealist. But having said that, I want to be like me. You genuinely surprised Ken that. Raheem Sterling is getting a lot of abuse from Liverpool fans
2: well on Twitter uh, I just, think about it come on I, I, I mean yeah I don't know uh, on one level a couple of months ago everyone was like oh Sterling you know great player you know well actually yeah, I suppose there was some Liverpool fans saying he was overrated they should take the money that wouldn't actually be my opinion I think he's an excellent excellent footballer I mean consider what he'd achieved already by the age of 20 you know, if he was to continue to improve, the potential is is really phenomenal. You know, with with Sterling, much more so than, you know, more than any player to come out of Liverpool. Although, again, he's one of these like like the Arsenal players we were talking about earlier. Who isn't really necessarily a Liverpool product, but you know, since Steven Gerrard, definitely the best player to have played for the Liverpool U team. You know what I mean? Um uh And I just, I just find it like, how, how can it, how can you go from being, oh, this guy's fantastic to, oh, this guy is just uh, you know, the kind of look at any of Sterling's Instagram posts and you see the, what, These Liverpool what's fans
0: aren't going from believing he was an amazing player to believing he's useless mm. uh, That's not the way it works They just don't he doesn't play for them anymore and he left in fairly acrimonious circumstances mm. and they're not gonna to be too happy about that.
2: I don't understand why it's that acrimonious to be honest. I mean to to my mind it's not even it's 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 not even him. He did he did what anyone would do in his position. Why that
0: interview it, that interview wasn't what anyone would do. There's not that, that doesn't happen that often where you do an interview
2: totally And the interview is like twenty six against minutes permission. It was a big
0: like long interview. Without the permission of the club, because it just doesn't happen at all anymore. Bar on Twitter or whatever, you don't hear players doing these kind of things. Yeah.
2: But what you know, why, why did it all go wrong? I mean, if I was Liverpool fan, I'd be thinking about that, looking at the club's actions, thinking to themselves, how did they manage to this for this to happen? This guy's, you know, their best young player, nineteen-year-old. He, he is, uh, you know, towards the end of the twenty fourteen season, or maybe he's twenty at that stage. I'm one hundred percent sure, and. How did they go? How, how did everything fall apart so quickly? Mm. Who who messed up there? Because somebody messed up, you know what I mean. Somebody messed up, and obviously the you know people will point the finger at A.D. Ward. Eddie Ward is just doing you know what agents do, you know, trying to make more money for himself and for his clients. And to be fair, you'd have to say he's performed for Again, Sterling. Sterling does Sterling have more of a chance of winning the league? Most this agents don't
0: call former legendary players for the club that they're Nobs. Rep- yeah, representing a player in. Knobs That's no true, hoops. but
2: you know Jamie Carger said didn't Jamie Carger say Raheem Sterling should sack this guy? You know what I mean? Like it was it was a kind of a two-way thing as well. He didn't he didn't call him a knob. He didn't resort to like vulgar abuse, but he didn't say he should sack him. You know what I mean? It's it's I can understand Eddie Ward being annoyed by that. Who, you know, what's this knob after saying? You know what I mean? Uh actually what he said was a little bit more uh a little bit more pointed than that. He said, everyone knows it. You know what I mean? Talk to anyone. They'll all say it. Um This is, you know, so he was kind of trying to undermine Carragher more broadly. It wasn't just the case of calling him a, a dirty name. But, you know, I, I just, I, I just find when, when you're having a massive go, like, I mean, look at any of Sterling's Instagram po- posts and see the kind of stuff that's written to him. And I'm sure that like a year ago, these guys are all like, oh, Sterling is great. You know, how can you have such extremes of emotion? To me, it's just both. Both of the emotions are counterfeit. You know what I mean? Both of them is just, it's just fake, you know, on, on either side. And I just kind of have, have very little patience with it.
0: Stephen Gerrard was referred to there as a one-club man by John Bruin. Not quite true. A one-club Premier League man, all right, but he's over at the LA Galaxy, fitting right in there. Himself and Robbie Keane were among four Galaxy players, Ken. This video, uh, we came across it today, of a Chevrolet challenge. Essentially, the challenge was to try and chip a ball into the back of a pickup truck and have it land and stay there. Uh, Robbie Keane, vastly more talented at this particular, executing this particular skill than even Steven Gerrard.
2: Yeah, Robbie Keane, um, not only uh, outscoring everybody, two into the, uh, everyone gets five goes, Everyone else had zero successes, uh, zero successful attempts from a combined fifteen attempts. Robbie Keane, uh, three successful attempts out of five. Two into the nearer one, and one when he got bored, knocking it into the nearer one. Uh, he he had a go with the further away one and nail that one as was well. Forty yards away, I think. Not only uh, did he outperform everyone, but he also was yapping away nonstop, king of this king of the uh, training end. Whereas Steven Gerrard, oh, I did not
0: want to be. He literally this.
2: didn't say a word. I mean, I think at the very end, when when his final attempt failed, he kind of said something like, oh, you know, that wasn't great. So, so, but he's just there, not saying order, and Robbie Keane is the one who's uh, made the away. You know, he's the, uh, no doubt about who's the big character in that dressing room.
0: If you have time in your day for one more podcast, why not make it the first one that we put out today? It's a Tour de France, Froome, Sky Chat with Matt, with Matt Rendell, who's over there for ITV. and We also talk to shame his hickey about the All-Ireland Hurling quarterfinals coming up this weekend. Thanks very much for listening. Thank you, Kent.
2: Thank you, too, um. and
0: we'll talk to you soon.
2: That's the second time it's off. never home. They never home. They never home. Hi,
0: I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter.